and someone says, you didn't get it, did you? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, tell me what it was. Uh, And then you're exposed, all right? Or there's other times that um, others miss the point, and it's like, seriously? You don't get this? And it's like, talk about frustration. Well, Ole lived in Minnesota in a community that um, he was the only Lutheran in a town that was all Catholics. And that was fine. They got along fine, except on Friday nights, Ole had the habit of barbecuing venison every Friday night, and no one else in the town could eat meat on Friday. And so they'd smell Ole barbecuing this venison, and, and it just drove them nuts. So <clears throat> they put the pressure on him to become a Catholic. And the big day came. He, he was willing to do it. He came, and, and the priest had Ole kneel. And he put his hand on Ole's head and he said, Ole, you were born a Lutheran. You were raised a Lutheran. And then as he sprinkled holy water over Ole's head, and now, splash, splash, you're a Catholic. Ole rose and, and he asked the priest, could I, could I have a little bit of that holy water? <clears throat> and the priest obliged. Holy went home. He was happy. The neighbors were happy. <clears throat> the following Friday night at supper time, there was again an aroma coming from Holy's yard. He's cooking venison again. The neighbors went to somebody's got to approach him about this. And as they approached his fence, they heard Holy saying. You were born a white-tailed deer. You were raised a white-tailed deer. But splish splash, now you're a walleye. (laughs) I don't know who missed the point, Ole or the neighbors. But another example of someone missing the point, uh, a single mother was raising two sons having terrible time with them misbehaving and and she thought well <clears throat> I'll take them to the pastor and let him talk to them <clears throat> so um the pastor met with them and wanted to meet with them individually and he said he thought I'll I'll just start by asking a simple question where is God? Well, the first boy is sitting there by himself and became visibly nervous and fidgeting around and he doesn't answer. And the pastor said, it's just a simple question, son. Where is God? Still nothing and very nervous. And, And he said, can you tell me where I can find God? And wide-eyed and just blank, he's looking at him, and the pastor thought, well, we're not getting anywhere. 
And um, he told the boy, go out and send your brother in. He went out, and as he came up to his brother, he leans into his brother and he said, Hey, Bobby, I think we're in real trouble this time. The preacher man lost God, and he thinks we took him. (laughs) Both sides of that, they weren't getting. They were both missing the point on that. And I think many times Jesus, in dealing with the disciples, thought they're missing the point. He emphasized to them, and, and again, in Mark, these are not just stories, accounts that were told to fill up a gospel. This is a record of Jesus training his disciples. It's a record of Jesus trying to teach them some very important things about who he is, about his power, about his mission in life. And and through it all, he had a definite purpose in everything that he was doing. But... The Pharisees, as well as the disciples, were missing the point. The Pharisees, although they had studied diligently the Scripture and prepared for the coming Messiah, they missed it because they rejected this one as the Messiah. The disciples, on the other hand, acknowledged Him as the Messiah and and in acknowledging him as the messiah they were looking forward to him setting up his kingdom freeing us from from the rule of other nations and governments and and restoring us to glory and setting up his kingdom and they got the the ultimate end of Jesus ministry but they didn't want to hear about anything else in between. And Jesus would tell them, I'm going to go suffer many things, be crucified, the third day rise again. And you remember, we've already seen Peter immediately jumped on that and said, there's no way I will not let that happen to you. And and Jesus rebuked him strongly and said, Get you behind me, Satan. You are, you are thinking earthly things. You are not thinking the things of God. And, and even in the passages that we read, Jesus had told them to be a follower of me. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And then Jesus went in and he showed them the glory, the transfiguration, showed the glory of God was seen, and, and they were greatly impressed. And Peter said, Let's build tabernacles here. And and yet they didn't understand that, wait a minute, there's something 
that has to happen before the glory is fully seen. And again, Jesus spoke to them about his death. And they didn't think about it. They overlooked it. They immediately then went back and said, uh, we have a question. If, if your glory is right here, right on the verge of this, and we've just seen it, we know that you said Elijah must come first, so it, can you help us here? They didn't want to think about the suffering. They didn't want to think about the cross. They didn't want to think about the resurrection. They wanted to think about the glory And again, Jesus corrects them and brings them back. And he spoke concerning the things that he must suffer and how he must be treated with contempt. And he's trying to bring them back to his agenda. The Pharisees had an agenda. The disciples had an agenda, and both their agendas were different than God's agenda. Many times in our life, we have an agenda, and it's different than God's agenda. And we run into problems when our agenda is different than God's agenda. And I want us to think today... In this regard, and this is, this is really in a personal manner, I, was, I had my agenda for the message for this morning all the way up until probably 8.30 last night, all right? My studies had been on this. It wasn't necessarily my agenda. I thought it was God's agenda, and then... Last night about 8.30, it starts like, oh, I want you to go here. And I'm saying, but, but this is where all the energy has been put in. And so it was like, okay, God's agenda or my agenda. And, and it, it's... Always an interesting um, ordeal in preparing messages. But Marilyn will often say, well, are you ready? And I, I always say, you're never ready till it's go time because there's always stuff you can add or change or whatever. So it's not like I'm done. It's 6 o'clock Saturday evening. I'm done. I don't need to think any more about it. So last night we stayed up a little later to adjust to the time. And, and she said, well, surely you're all ready for the morning, right? And I said, well, I was until this changed. And really, I think if nothing else, it's God testing me to see... Um, what agenda I am willing to follow. But God's agenda is always different than ours. 
Isaiah 55 and verse 9, God says, My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. There is no way that we can fully comprehend God's ways, but by nature, God's ways are different than ours. Proverbs 14:12 says, "There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death." I mean, there are many ways that we justify that we can even support with certain verses although they may be taken out of context, but we support them and we justify, and yet God's agenda is different than ours. My mom's favorite verse was, Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. Lean not to your own agenda. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and then He will direct our paths. Often we want God's direction, and we're hoping His direction matches up with our agenda so we can say, yes, But the real test of faith comes when His direction for our ways is different than what we want, different than our agenda, different than our reasoning process, and that's a test of our faith. The disciples didn't want to hear about Jesus' suffering. They wanted to hear about His crowning as King, His glory, His ruling, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. And it isn't on the agenda of mankind. It isn't in the script that mankind writes that God would take on the form of a man, that he'd come to this earth, live a sinless life, and be abused and ridiculed and mocked and held in contempt and eventually crucified. We don't want to hear that. We want to save ourselves. We don't want someone to... I didn't ask him to do that. And all false religions are basically saying that. But that's God's plan. That's God's agenda. And then he rose again victorious the third day. God's agenda is different than ours. Secondly, God's agenda runs on his timing. God, in Genesis 3, gave the promise of the Messiah. Right after mankind falls into sin, Genesis 3.15, God promised to send the Messiah. And then we have centuries of years of various prophets coming, of various experiences with the children of Israel. Then we have 400 years 
where God isn't saying anything. But in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. If we were writing the script, there would have been the Messiah quickly born after this. He would have rescued mankind immediately. And yet we aren't writing the script. In the fullness of time. When God's timing on his agenda was right, he sent forth his son. You remember the account of Jesus. He's ministering. Mary and Martha come to him and say, Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is dying. Come quickly. Come quickly. And Jesus waited three, four days and didn't come. And when he did come... They were upset with him. They had their agenda. This, this will work. We'll go run, 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 get Jesus. Hurry. He'll come and he'll heal Lazarus. We know he loves Lazarus. They had this story written. Jesus didn't come. Lazarus died. And they immediately met him and said, If you had been here, in other words, if you had followed our agenda... He wouldn't have died. And Jesus had a different agenda. He didn't want to show his power of healing him. He wanted to show his power raising him from the dead. They weren't asking something wrong. They were just not willing to be on God's agenda. On God's time. The disciples aren't wrong in longing for the glory of God, but they don't want God's timing, that God's timing involves the cross. God's timing involves crucifixion and suffering and some dark days for the disciples. They didn't want that. They're they're at point A, and they want to go to glory without any other steps And God says, it's not my time. Why do you think he said over and over again? And here in in Mark 9, they they had seen the glory of God. And he says to them, don't you speak about this until I raise from the dead. He said, I've got something more important to do than the glory. That will come in its time. But even then, they missed it. Raised from the dead, you're going to be the king. You're the Messiah. They didn't want to think about it. They go back. Uh, Where's Elijah? Because we know he needs to be showing up. You're the Messiah. God's timing. God's agenda runs on God's timing. And God's timing is always perfect. God's agenda is given to us in the Word of God. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. To the disciples, God's agenda had been given to them. He he told them that His glory would be coming. 
But throughout Scripture, it says that he would be crucified, Isaiah 53. Throughout Scripture, it says that one, the forerunner must come before him. Throughout Scripture, he gave indication that um, he would be crucified and rise again the third day. It wasn't like they'd never heard this. And then they heard it directly from his mouth. So they knew God's agenda. But it didn't compute in their mind because their agenda was first and foremost. We know God's agenda through God's Word. Notice Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to walk in the path of your commands, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless, worthless things and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. So the psalmist is praying, God, it is, it is through your law, it is through your statutes. Teach me your way. Teach me your agenda through your word. And I will walk in it. Turn to Psalm 119 and verse 97. Notice what the psalmist says. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Through your commandments, you make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He says, it's through your word that I learn your agenda. It's through your word that I get wisdom. It makes me wiser than my teachers. It makes me wiser than the ancients. How? Through God's word. And through your word, it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me what your will is or what your agenda is and how I can walk in it. See, the Bible is God's playbook. We're in the midst of football season, and the key to any quarterback or player on the team is at the beginning of the summer, they give them the playbook. 
and they need to study the playbook. So when they call a play, that they know exactly what they need to do. Now, if someone shows up in the fall and they haven't studied the playbook, they're not on the same page. They have their own agenda. And it will, although their agenda may include playing, the coach's agenda doesn't include them playing. Why? Because of ignorance of the playbook. The Bible is God's mind concerning everything. You want to know what God thinks about whatever? You can find it right here in Scripture. And, and you might say, well, why doesn't he put, put it in, in certain sections like, here's a ta- okay, this is on marriage, good, that's what I want. Oh, yeah, this, this is a section on finances, good. Oh, this is a section on child discipline. He didn't do it that way because we'd miss the purpose of the Word of God. The Word is for fellowship with the Father. And as we spend time in the Word, searching the Word, we learn God's heart and mind and His agenda, and it is only through the Word that we know His agenda. The Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness' sake. Now, God's agenda involves, we learn this from Scripture, and we just saw it, read it in Mark chapter 8, God's agenda involves denying self, enduring difficulties, and remaining faithful to the end. Denying self, my agenda, God's agenda. I'm going to... I'm going to put off my agenda. As for God, His ways are perfect. Why would I think I know better than God? I'm going to put off my agenda. When you put off your agenda and follow God's agenda, it doesn't mean everything will go wonderful for you. What? I thought if you seek God first, everything will be peace and joy and you will have your best life now. Um, Find that in the Bible. Find that with the disciples, those that really did follow him. They endured great difficulties. And following Jesus means denying self, doing what is right, enduring the difficulties, and remaining faithful to the end. In the book of Habakkuk, he comes to the end and he says, Though everything fails, though and, and he was a farmer, though I have no crops, they're a complete failure. Though everything around me is dismal and dark, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and trust the God of my salvation. 
We're back to the cross. We're back to the salvation. But he said, I am willing, regardless of what happens in my life, I, I am not going to forsake you, God, because you are the one through your cross that gave to me eternal life. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read of some great victories that, that took place by faith. By faith, Noah built the ark and, and saved eight souls and saved mankind. And it mentioned all these things by faith. But then it goes on and it says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. So here, here's God's agenda. Some of them saw some great victories. Others, they were going to get to the glory, but God had in their plan and purpose, His agenda for them was they endured great difficulties... Not accepting deliverance, meaning giving up on God's agenda, that they might have a better resurrection. God's agenda involves denying self, enduring difficulties. We can add in there, resting in His timing and remaining faithful to the end. Now, turn back to Mark again. Mark chapter 9. And in a strange twist of things, after the account of the transfiguration, after all the events that you'll go over tonight in your classes in Mark chapter 9, he then comes down and he says... These are such important matters that because there is a hell where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched, he repeats it three times, and he's trying to teach his disciples that the cross is necessary because there is a hell and because you have sin, and he's trying to call them back. The glory will come in time, but my agenda now is the cross. There must be a payment for sin. There must be a payment for sin to remove the condemnation of eternal hell. And he reminds them of that. And then he closes the chapter, verse 49, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Now, we don't have the time to go into it, but he talked often about you are the salt of the earth. Salt preserves from evil. Salt brings healing. And in an A strange twist, he adds this at the end of this, but he's telling them 
that my agenda now is the presentation of the gospel for the salvation of souls. Glory will come. I am providing salvation and I am raising you, the disciples, up to carry the message of salvation. And if you lose your saltiness, you're no good for anything but to be trampled under the foot of men, he says. Right now, my agenda is for the presentation of the gospel for the salvation of souls. Because there is sin, because there is hell, the cross was necessary. It is the only hope and help for man. And everything that Christ is exposing the disciples to is for the purpose of preparing them to take the message of the gospel to the world. It is no different for us today. Our agenda from God, God's agenda for us, I should say, is that we present the gospel for the salvation of souls. It's God's job to save the souls. It's our job to present the gospel. And it is important for us to not miss this point. The point is not to get a great knowledge of the Bible. The point is not even to get a great knowledge of God. If it's not transferred into our life and work out of our life to present the gospel to others, what does it matter? Our, our point isn't just to study the Bible. Our point isn't even just to be Christ-like. Our point is to study the Bible, be Christ-like, so we can make a difference in the world and show the world that we serve a different master and a better master, and he is the only hope for anyone. And in Christianity, we've done good so-so or whatever on the other things, but we really haven't done a very good job I'm presenting the gospel. This is God's agenda. Think of your prayer life. How much of your prayer life matches up with God's agenda? We can plead, we can fast, we can pray, but if we're trying to get God on our agenda, it's all in vain. But if we get on God's agenda, then you're working with God. How much this last week were you burdened or broken over lost people, lost individuals? Who did you pray for this week? That, that's why God's left us here. We're missing the point. The point isn't to fill churches up. The point is to bring people to Christ. And to send them out. The point isn't even to save America. I love America. But the point is to save souls. I mean, if we really believe, and you've got to have your head in the sand if you don't believe 
that there's some weird things happening in the world today and it, it's all pointing to the return of Jesus Christ very soon. Our point is not come over here and say, come Jesus, come Jesus. Our point is to rescue the perishing. That's God's agenda. That's why he's left us here. And there's a reason the judgment of God is on our nation is because we've left God's agenda. There's a reason the apostasies are coming into churches and stuff that's going on in churches. Why? Because we've left God's agenda. And the same thing can happen here if we don't get back to God's agenda. It's not just read the Bible. It's read the Bible so I know how to live it, so I know how to care for others, be moved with compassion, be involved in other people's lives, get on God's agenda, and then you find peace and joy and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith. It's God's agenda. So every day of every minute, It comes down to me, am I going to follow my agenda or God's agenda? And every day, every minute, I have a choice. It's kind of similar to a few weeks ago, the clash of two kingdoms. But it is. Whose agenda are we following? Heavenly Father, forgive me for following my agenda so many times. And Lord, I pray that I would be sensitive to your spirit, that I would know your plan and agenda, and that I would study your word to know your plan and purpose, and then, Lord, that I would walk in obedience to it. Lord, your patience with the disciples and your patience with us as we miss the point so often. Your patience is amazing, but Lord, may we bring delight to your heart as we share your heart and walk in your agenda. Lord, you have spoken. May our eyes and ears be open to see and hear your will, and then to walk in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.